This program is brought to you by A to B Media Partners. Be sure to listen to the After Two Beers podcast on Spotify, Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Pocket Casts. Also, make sure to visit www.aftertwobeers.com. Welcome to the After Two Beers podcast interview sessions. I'm Dutch Dalton, joined today by a fellow Hoosier, which is kind of cool. Someone that has appeared on America's Got Talent, finished third, I believe. We'll have to confirm that here in a second. And that is Ryan Niemiller. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing good, and you nailed it. I was third place. I'm officially the third most talented person in this country. (laughs) For that year. (laughs) There was a vote, and as recent things have told us, people always accept the results of the vote. Did you concede? Questions, they get right to it. (laughs) You didn't run out on stage and concede, did you? Uh, I did not. No, I'm, I'm actually in the process. My lawyers are asking for a recount. I know it's been two seasons since then, but we're, we're really, we want to just, I just want to make sure there was no illegal votes for Cody Lee. I just want to make sure that he was the, if he was the actual winner, fine. But like, hey, let's just make sure. All right. Right. I, absolutely. It's, it's, the, if you have to take this to the U.S. Supreme Court, you should do it. I will. Absolutely. I will. It, <laughs> I've actually been threatening people that if anyone doesn't think any of my political jokes are funny, write to the Supreme Court. I'll take them right there. <laughs> I think that's the logical next step. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, we, we're having you on the show. One of the reasons why is you will be performing starting tonight at the Helium Comedy Club here in Indianapolis. You can go to indianapolis.helium.com to get tickets for that event. You'll be there tonight at 8 o'clock tomorrow, November 13th, 7.30 and 10 o'clock, and Saturday, November 14th. At seven thirty and ten, let's before we jump into anything else. I, I do want to talk about the America's Got Talent. So, sure, you started out as just like anybody else, native guy, and you decide you want to do stand up comedy. I'm assuming at some point, yes. And how did you end up on America's Got Talent, and what has it done for you since? So it, it was a long road. So I'm a you know like you said I'm a I'm an Indiana boy. I grew up in a small town in Northwest Indiana. Um, I actually started stand-up in 2006 in Los Angeles because I was dumb and (laughs) thought you had to start in L.A. or New York. Like, like, it it sounds so stupid now, but at the time, like, no one really tells you, and I didn't know who to ask. Right. I thought I I knew comedy like existed in places like Indy, but I thought you had to be sent from like the comedy minds of New York or LA <laughs> to do it. So I thought that was the step you had to take. Um, so I was out there for about three years and then I was doing comedy mostly out of Indiana uh, up until then. So uh, America's Got Talent kind of came about, uh, a lot of it was just luck and a lot of it was persistence. Um, I had been trying to get on the show for five years when it actually happened. Um, I had had friends that had been on the show and done well and they kind of were helping me along the way of like here's what you need to do here's how you need to prepare who's here who you need to talk to here's when they say this this is what that means and luckily after the fifth try i got the yes from it uh america's got talent for me uh for anyone who might not know me or didn't watch the show um i have a disability in my arms that's pretty noticeable. It's not something I can kind of casually hide. No, long sleeve shirt won't. Yeah, it really does. It looks like I'm wearing my dad's clothes. <laughs> to a job interview. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I think what had happened, because like, 
it's not like I magically got funny after the fifth try, <laughs> you know, but uh, I think the show itself, and, and I don't blame them because it's just like how, how the entertainment business is at this point. I think they were really nervous that someone who has a noticeable disability and really, you know, attacks it with confidence that isn't scared to talk about, you know, the controversial parts of it, kind of really go after it. I think they were a little worried about how that would play, you know, like in the Bible Belt, <laughs> which is a lot of AGT's audience. Um, but luckily, once I got on there, it people just really gravitated to it and and were there for it and accepted it. And, you know, third place, that's a hell of a run. I would have liked to win, <laughs> you know, obviously, but but I'll take third. That's a, that's a pretty good, pretty good little uh, trek through that. And kind of since it happened, it's, it's night and day. You know, I did comedy for 12 years before I got the show. Nobody came to see me on purpose. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and then now after the show, now I get to headline my home club <laughs> instead of just doing the open mic or guest sets there. So it, it's it's a very cool thing that I don't take for granted. Isn't it so cool that overnight, like one little thing that. I mean, not that America's Got Talent is a little thing, but whatever it was, you ended up on the show. You did amazing. You did kick-ass just like you expected to do. But regardless, that one opportunity, that one break, and now, like you said, you're recognized wherever you go. Yeah, it, 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 it's such a cool feeling. And, um, you know, obviously I, I can't 100% make this comparison because, you know, my path happened to be this one. But I know just like a lot of my friends – who are killing it in comedy, you know, for a lot of other ways, it's a very slow burn. You just grind and then you get this opportunity and that leads to this opportunity and leads to this opportunity. And eventually you're just a force that can't be stopped. AGT is one of the few things I think that still exists now that literally overnight, it, you can just become a name. Isn't that crazy? Now, let me ask, how much engagement did you have with the actual judges? Was it just what you see on the screen or did you engage backstage or... Um, you get to engage a little bit with them. Um, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, it's like big parties with the judges or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're not in the same dressing room with them or anything. But um, it, it is very strange how it works because the first two rounds of that show, you know, the initial audition and the judge cuts, all the decisions are made by the judges. So you are kept completely away from them. You're not allowed to be, you know, within 100 feet. It's almost like you're a... You're not allowed near a school if you have something <laughs> on your record. And they're very strict about it, too. Like, you can't be anywhere near them. And then kind of once you get to the other rounds, I mean, the judges still have feedback, but since it's audience vote at that point, it's a little, like, more lax. So, uh, again, I'm not going to claim that, like, you know, I, I wasn't having dinner with, you know, Simon Cowell or anything like that. <laughs> but, but if you're kind of backstage in a round, you know, that they'll chat with you. Um, you spend a lot of time with Terry Crews, who is the host. So he's a lot more, since he doesn't have an actual vote per se, you spend a lot of time with him. So, so Terry and I got to become buddies. That's um, awesome. And we're still kind of friendly now. We, we talk every now and then at this point. Um, but yeah, like they're, they're, very, they're very approachable once you get to a certain point of the show. Now, this is a random question. Obviously, sure. there's been tons of positives that have come out of this for you. But has anything negative happened where you met somebody and they turned out to be an asshole or it's not as cool in Hollywood as you thought it would be or anything like that? Um, I would say um, any negatives that I have that has happened now, 
I want to fully disclose that they're of the my diamond necklace is too heavy variety. <laughs> <laughs> There's just too many diamonds in this thing. I can't take it. Um, so so I, I want anyone that's going to hear me complain for a couple minutes here to know that I, I understand that I'm in a, a very blessed place. <laughs> so, but it is a little. It's 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 way more stressful than it used to be um, because. One of the things now, you know, obviously what I had been working for was people to, you know, recognize me in public and to get to headline these clubs and kind of be the name on the marquee. That's what you fight for if you want to take this business seriously. But kind of the stress that comes with that now, now if I'm the headliner of a show, it's on me to sell the tickets. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, back, back when I was featuring, sure, I, I don't want to downplay that, but there's really no pressure on you. No one's there to see you. If you do great, it's all bonus. If you bomb, no one's going to remember because they weren't there for you anyway. Now when you're the headliner, you know, I have people that have told me, you know, they drove eight hours to come see me. So I can't Holy stop. cow. <laughs> you know, like, I, you know I, I'm not allowed to have, I, I, or at least I feel like I'm not allowed to have an off night. It's not like I would ever <laughs> deliberately phone it in, but I, but I can't be tired. Oh, you know, my gosh. Like, because people are spending actual money and they're excited to see you. And and then the other thing that's been a little weird, and it hasn't been so weird for me because I enjoy it, but, you know, I have a very recognizable look. Yes. People know when it's me, even with the mask during during the <laughs> pandemic. They still somehow know it's me. I don't understand. <laughs> um, but people recognize you. And when it's just me and people want to take a picture or say hi, that's awesome. You know, like it's very cool. The fact that anyone cares enough to want to do that is amazing. But where it's been weird, um, you know, my, my girlfriend and I, before everything shut down, we went to Disneyland in January. It was supposed to be like a romantic. It was for her birthday. It was the thing we were just trying to enjoy. I think we lost count at me getting stopped for pictures 50 times. Holy cow. <laughs> you know, and, and again, it's flattering. I'm glad people care. But at the same time, like, like we joke that one day I'm going to propose to her and like, I'll be down on like one knee and someone's going to be like, Hey, I'm going to let you finish what you're doing, but you might have to get a quick picture. <laughs> <laughs> now, does she, you know, there's got to be a thing when you're in a relationship with somebody that's going through that, that kind of at first she's like, wow, I'm, you know, this is cool. I'm dating somebody that, that people know. Is she at the point now where she just can't stand it? Oh, she's been that way since before it happened. Oh, so. man. <laughs> so it's like like we had dated way back when, probably like 15 years ago, and um, I kind of owe it to AGT. We reconnected kind of. She lives in California, so on a whim, I invited her to come to the taping of the audition uh, just because we had kind of we'd been on good terms, you know, but right. That's I'm I'm sure a, re- that's kind of I'm a sorry. pimp move, buddy. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, 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 it, it was definitely a high risk because if I would have if I would have eaten my dick on stage, <laughs> it's gonna be really yeah. hard to rekindle the relationship when you get booed out of a building uh, <laughs> on national television. Right. You're like, I, I don't know if you're busy this week, but uh, I've got this thing going on for you know ABC. If you uh, if you just want to stop down and, and just yeah, catch what, up, what you think? <laughs> um, so but, she but, hated but, it. So for, so, so, so for like, like it, it was. It's for her. I think it's got kind of been mixed, because obviously watching someone you care about kind of fulfill their dreams and have something happen on such a big scale is amazing. But at the same time, like it, it's just like any comedian that's ever been in a relationship. You know, like they like they part of why they're drawn to you is because you're funny, 
And then after they're with you long enough, everything's a joke now, isn't it? (laughs) uh, There's always going to be a little of that, but, but she is very cool and she's very supportive. Um, You know, it's, it's made this whole kind of transition from being essentially an unknown nobody just somebody who gets the headline club. It's made it a lot easier to kind of have her and my close family sort of have my back. Well, like, you know, a little sense of normalcy in a world that's not normal anymore. It's got, it's got to help buy dinner, too. <laughs> Pay yeah. some bills. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first thing I did, a lot of people, because you don't, you don't win any prize money for third place, but, but I'm doing okay now, especially yeah. compared to what it was. People that ask me, like, oh, have you done any cool stuff with, like, your money? Like, is anything, like, what do you bought? I'm like, I paid off my car, I paid off my student loans. <laughs> that's that's, that's the, uh, the crazy thing I've All right. So You're like upper end middle class now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, cause, like, and it's ironic that like this year turned out to be what it was. Because like, when I first did that, that was the first thing I did. And I told people, I was like, so in case anything happens, if I screw this up sometime, I don't want to be in debt anymore. I at least want to be at zero. You know, like it's a lot easier to be at zero than negative 50 grand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. And then, and then we kind of found out during this whole pandemic where, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs and, you know, entertainment business has been very much affected. I was like, well, I'm glad I don't have that student loan to pay anymore, at least. Right. You know, I always said that if Osama bin Laden had student loans, they'd have found him way sooner. <laughs> <That's>... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, it's. Just having that noose off from around my neck has been, that's been one of the best things that's happened since this. Like, Abs- at least I'm at zero. Absolutely. I'm joined by Ryan Niemiller. Ryan is going to be performing at the Indianapolis Helium Comedy Club starting tonight, November 12th at 8. Uh, you're there tomorrow, 7.30 and 10, and Sunday, November 14th, 7.30 and 10. You can visit the webpage to buy tickets. Now, you are following a path that a lot of us have done. We started two years ago, but... You really see it pop up now in COVID times. You, you do a podcast. I do, yes. The Cafeteria, correct? This is the first time I've been asked about it during an interview, yes. Yeah. You do your research. Yeah, well, looky there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> tell me uh, or tell the audience and listeners all about The Cafeteria and, and what it, what's your theme of your show. It's not just talking about like how to make lunch for, for little kids and stuff, is it? Well, it can be sometimes, maybe. <laughs> There's a possibility. So The Cafeteria is a podcast that I started with two of my best friends in comedy. Uh, So one of them, my buddy Johnny LaQuasto, I met him uh, literally a month into me starting comedy. So this was back in late 2006. So we just happened to do an open mic together in L.A. and been really good friends ever since. Uh, He had got affected by uh, COVID. He actually was an announcer for WWE. And when they started doing budget cuts because of all this, he was unfortunately one of the people that lost his job for the meantime. So he's been a part of the podcast. And the other person is someone a lot of people know because he had a huge blow up this year. My buddy Brent Turhune, another Indianapolis guy. Um, you might know him as the, uh, the redneck you all love to hate. <laughs> um, you might not know him as Brent Turhune, but you definitely know the character. I'm sure you've all seen oh, the videos. His videos are hilarious. Cool. Yeah, just, and he's just a good dude. And, you know, I've known him, like, when I originally moved to Indy 10-some years ago, we just became buddies then. And until I actually moved, we lived, like, a mile away from each other. So it's just kind of cool that we both have had these cool blow-ups in the last couple years. But so it's the three of us once a week. 
Um, basically what we're trying to like uh, recreate is like the moments of like being in high school where sometimes the only times you get to see your friends was at the cafeteria uh-huh. uh, for lunch. And basically what we do is each week we each bring our own topic. It can be something, you know, like, you know, who were the comedians that, that uh, influenced you? Or it could be something so like, when's the last time you were in a fight? What's the best Halloween candy? Just the things that you and your buddies would always <laughs> kind of debate around the cafeteria table. That's what we do. So, so sometimes it could be kind of deep and insightful. Usually it's just us being jackasses. So uh, <laughs> I highly recommend it. It's uh, uh, the cafeteria. You can find that on all the normal podcast place that you would listen to podcasts. And you can find us at Cafeteria Pod on, uh, on the, the Facebooks and the Instagrams and the whatnots. What has been the most highly debated topic amongst the three of you? Uh, honestly, the Halloween candy one got pretty, really? got pretty rough. Yeah, what was your we, pick? We all had different things, and, and Brent took it to his huge Twitter following, and it got pretty intense there, too. So, <laughs> uh, and, and oddly, this is one I did not anticipate, because one time we talked about, like, what were, like, what are some weird foods that you remember eating as a kid? Because everyone, like, you don't know what's weird at the time, because you're just a kid who eats those foods. Um, and one of us, uh, for mine, a food that I always ate, I used to eat pickle sandwiches all the time. Just pickles and sandwiches? Yep. And bread, so I mean? Dill pickle slices, cheese, mustard, bread. <laughs> that, that's all it was. And then we got into a huge debate over, because uh, I only like dill pickles. Anything that's not a dill pickle is disgusting and you should keep it away from me. Johnny, big time sweet pickle guy. And like, it led to like weeks of fights. <laughs> really? I, oh, yeah. Now, I'm going to tell really you, man, intense. I love pickles. Love yeah. pickles. And I, I'm a dill guy. I'm absolutely a dill guy. Nice. So and you see, sh- now we can still be friends. I'm absolutely. <laughs> you should have just led that you were, like, going through a vegetarian thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the thing, I mean, I'm a big dude, all right? Like, I like to eat. But then, just dill pick. Any other pickle is just gross. Oh, yeah. I don't like need all that sugar and shit on my pickle. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, there's so many things I wanted to talk to you about. We're running out of time, but last one, you brought up that your buddy is a, uh, was a former WWE guy. Yes. I'm a huge wrestling fan. And I read, yeah, and that's why <laughs> I, you said that your nickname or your, your wrestling persona would be the cripple threat. Correct. Who was your favorite wrestler growing up? My favorite wrestler by far, uh, was Chris Jericho. Oh, wow. Um, so are you an AEW fan? Uh, I do watch it, yes. So um, uh, it, it's been really weird uh, because as a result of, of, of AGT, uh, Chris Jericho and I have actually got to become friends. Oh, that's freaking awesome. But like, like we're buddies now because um, when I made the finals of America's Got Talent, you get to do like a celebrity collab performance, and I got to do a sketch with Jericho. Um, he flew in and did like a little wrestling sketch with me, which was really funny, and I had a blast <laughs> doing it. Uh, and and I kind of at the at the end of it, I like th- I thought that was just kind of kind of be what it was, which would have been amazing. Like you know, it's cool getting to meet your heroes. Like I'm not someone who generally has like, oh, I need to meet this guy, you know. But he was always that way because um, he had such a big influence on me wanting to become an entertainer. Um, if you're a wrestling fan, you you know, probably know about his big debut in WWF in 1999. It's probably one of the the biggest, if not the biggest, debut ever. Oh, the Y2J. Yeah, exactly. I was there live. Really? 
Uh, yeah, it, it was just by accident. It wasn't something I planned to be there because the countdown was going to be closed. Like, like my family grew up really poor. I was still in high school at the time. Uh, it was just a situation where, like, once a year, I usually got to go to one wrestling show in Chicago. That happened to be one I was going to, and then that was the debut. And like being in that end, that uh, that energy, and feeling what that crowd was doing, like made me go, "Okay, I'm going to be a performer. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do now." So he had a big influence on me, just career-wise. The fact that he agreed to do this thing with AGT was very cool. Um, that it was great. He was super easy to work with. We had a lot of fun. But even since then, like like we text once or twice a week. Um, I had Thanksgiving at his house last you, that's year. That's so cool, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and like it, it's so crazy to even talk about because like adult me is like, hey, I have this really cool friend that like you know has this interesting job and he has a lot of cool stories and he's just a good guy to hang out with. Sixteen year old me is in a constant state of losing <laughs> You know what's funny is my girlfriend and I, she's on the show uh, with us occasionally as well. Uh, I've got her into really watching wrestling with me. And we nice. were just talking the other night about doing that Chris Jericho cruise. <laughs> oh, nice. Very cool. And, and, yeah. and he must love comedians because we had Brad Williams on the show once, and Brad was late because he was talking to Chris Jericho. Yep. Yeah, that, that, that's how it works, man. He, he, he loves Because like, he's a funny dude. He's just a good, entertaining guy. Like, I got to do his podcast, which was awesome. He's just, he's just a really good dude. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have him as someone in my existence now. That's so cool, Ryan. I, I think that's badass, buddy. Well, I'll tell you what. We're running up close to uh, when you need to stop. But I have to tell you, I'd love to have you back on the show again sometime. Absolutely, man. I'll talk to a to an Indiana native. Absolutely, and hey, buddy, if you ever need somebody in the cafeteria to talk about assorted foods, <laughs> yeah, next, next time someone tries to give me shit about this dill pickle, thing, that's right. That's first call. <laughs> you know, Chris Porter hates dill pickles. <laughs> there should be a whole podcast of yeah. He actually he, he does a whole bit about it. <laughs> Just, uh, well, next time I see Chris, I'm gonna have to have some words. With absolutely, him we could do a dill pickle podcast, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ryan, appreciate it again. You'll be performing tonight, tomorrow, and Saturday at the Helium Comedy Club in Indianapolis. Make sure you check out tickets for that. You're also going to be in Iowa on Sunday in Raleigh, Erie, Nashville in December. You're going to be a busy guy. Well, hopefully, um, as I think we've all kind of seen during this year, you never want to count your chickens before they hatch. We'll say. Tentatively, <laughs> I should be all those places. That could all change very quickly. That, though, so, that uh, is a so great. Follow my social media at Cripple Threat Eight. I keep everyone up to date with what's actually happening and what's not. And uh, we're all trying to be safe at the end of the day. You know, I, like I want you to come to my shows, and I love performing, but I also don't want you know anyone to be unsafe because of it. My my jokes about my wiener are not worth getting sick for. <laughs> So, um, if you don't feel comfortable, you're not going to offend me. But uh, any club that I'm working, I'm working because I know they're taking it seriously as and being as healthy as they can. So I wouldn't do – I've canceled some on my end that I could have done. So know that if I'm there, I feel at least to the best of their ability, they're taking care of us. Yeah, and Helium does a really good job of making sure that people are safe and, and, and separated. So I think that's a cool deal. And I'm just picturing this couple that drove eight hours to see you returning home going, you know, it was all worth it when he talked about his wiener. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, a lot of people, when they're coming to see me, they only know me as the as the guy from AGT. And my show's not vulgar, but it's not 
the two minutes that they let you do on primetime NBC. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You can see him at thecripplethreat.com. Listen to his podcast, The Cafeteria. Ryan, it's been a pleasure, buddy. You have a, a good weekend, and uh, we hope to see you soon. I appreciate it, my friend. Let's do this again soon. All right. Sounds great. Sounds great.